Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is Episode 8, the Express Version. For all things application performance management, AI Ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Michael Olson, Director of Marketing at New Relic. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to AI and IT Ops podcast. I am Andy Thorai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com, home of unbiased emerging technology advisory services. Our guest for this episode is Michael Olson, Director of Marketing at Neuralet. Michael, welcome to the show and to the hot seat. Thanks for having me, Andy. Good to be here. So the AI ops field is really red hot right now. I am tracking personally as an analyst more than about 35 plus observability vendors who all claim they do AI ops in some way or other. Some do, obviously, monitoring, some provide the whole platform, and some provide just application-level monitoring. How do you guys at Neuralink define AI ops? What does it mean to your customers? Sure. One of the byproducts of just the general hype that you know we're seeing around AI and machine learning more broadly outside of the software delivery or even IT operations space, I think it's created a lot of confusion around what AI ops is and arguably just as importantly, what AI ops isn't. And I think it's the technology space is early enough in its evolution and adoption still that there's still some confusion and perhaps a lack of common understanding around what are the actual use cases for AI ops. And I think what we've seen is over the course of the last several years, a new category of technology that's emerged that's really focused specifically on putting AI and machine learning in the hands of on-call engineers responsible for incident response so they can prevent more incidents as well as you know respond to them faster. I think Gartner initially coined the term you know AI ops as sort of shorthand for artificial intelligence for IT operations to describe the space. And it's really about using AI and machine learning to augment humans, to help them analyze the data that's generated by their software and their systems in order to predict possible problems, you know, determine the root cause, and then ideally drive action in order to fix those problems. So what are the main ways you see neural customers using AI ops technology? What are some of their top use cases? I think this is another area where perhaps in our industry, there's been so much hype around AI and machine learning in general, and there's been a lot of hype around AI ops and a lot of buzzwords being thrown around in our space that I think in some ways it's done a disservice at at actually facilitating clarity as to the ways that AI ops technology can be utilized for jobs to be done for engineers who carry a pager. And I would boil it down, Andy, and say that, you know, the four most common ways that our customers are looking to AI ops technology to help with are one, more proactive detection of anomalies, you know, before an issue hits production or before it impacts customer experience or jeopardizes service level objectives. Second is around this idea of alert noise reduction, really helping software teams prioritize their alerts and focus on the issues that matter the most by correlating related alerts and related events that are due to the same core problem. So you can reduce that problem of alert fatigue and sort of increase that signal to noise ratio, if you will. A third use case that we see a lot of customers looking at and using AI ops for is around sort of this idea of smarter alerting and escalation, being able to more efficiently route incidents and alerts to the individuals and teams who are best equipped to respond to particular problems and reduce some of that toil involved in the incident response process. 
And then a fourth use case that I'm seeing a lot more interest around is really all about the end goal of being able to diagnose and respond more quickly. And so I'm seeing AI ops technology that's stepping in and helping on-call engineers with intelligence and metadata and context so teams can sort of troubleshoot and understand the issue, get closer to a probable root cause, and then determine what course of action to undertake in order to be able to resolve the problem and restore you know, services back to a known good state. You talked about the event correlation being a common use case for AI ops. How are your customers actually doing that? I'll give you an example that's top of mind for me. I was talking to a customer of ours recently that is just getting started implementing AI ops technology as part of their incident response process. And the use case that was hot for them was really around this idea of cascading failures. So they were describing to me a pretty mission critical application where you know, they had a website where customers are making transactions. And for those transactions to be successful, they had multiple production services that have to remain healthy. And they described a scenario in which they had, you know, a recent production issue that involved their MySQL database running out of space. So what happened was that database fired an alert, but the application that depends on that database then started firing alerts as well. And on the client side, they started to see problems occurring in addition to that around latency, and that started triggering some alerts as well. So now this team that was carrying the pager had a cascading failure across their environment and you know, was sort of faced a, in a situation where they were getting an alert storm from all of these different services where it was hard to really separate what's the real issue and identify which of these alerts that they were receiving were symptoms versus which were kind of related to the core problem. And then worse, they described that you know, they weren't even getting notified about this issue until it had turned into a full-blown production incident that was impacting customer experience and actually impacting their service level objectives to the rest of the business. So their main genesis for their interest in AI ops was hey, one, like, how do we detect, you know, a potential issue faster before it actually turns into an actual incident? And then second, when an incident occurs, how do we start to reduce just the flood of alerts that are coming in so we can get to probable root cause faster and fix the problem more quickly? So that's kind of a common use case that I tend to hear around where event correlation as part of an AI ops practice can help. And some of the areas where it can really help are just around reducing the number of irrelevant alerts, whether that's due to you know, a decommissioned project or an unused service that are maybe being handled by other teams that are still triggering or firing off you know, irrelevant alerts to the wrong people and teams that starts to sort of condition you to just blindly acknowledge them or ignore them altogether. I also see low priority alerts being a low hanging fruit target for where AI ops can help around reducing alert fatigue. You know, we see due to kind of flapping issues, for example, a lot of alerts that tend to be triggered off of, you know, issues that may be auto resolving in a matter of a few minutes because you've got automation in place, for example, that can fix the problem for you when it occurs. And so receiving those types of alerts, what we found is uh, we have customers that are able to reduce their volume of alerts by as much as 50% just by leveraging kind of grace periods that AI ops technology can provide around, you know, suppressing those lower priority or auto resolving alerts. And then another common use case that I see around event correlation is just around duplicate alerts. There's particularly within larger organizations, you know, you see so many examples still of redundant monitoring that's in place where you know, you may have alert policies that are set up, you know, across Splunk or Prometheus or Grafana or Amazon CloudWatch or a new relic, for example, where you're monitoring the same services and the same thresholds and triggering alerts from multiple tools that are due to the same core issue. And that's another area where event correlation can really help is identifying alerts that are coming in due to the same core issue and grouping those together so you can start to you know, reduce some of the fatigue that comes from just getting flooded with an alert storm.
NOC engineers, the SOC engineers, or the pager carrying on-call engineers need to trust the AI and ML enough to fully embrace the AI apps and the decisions made by them. Do they trust AI and your solution enough to implement that? That's a really good question, Andy. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's still a work in progress in our industry. And I think that there's a lot of skepticism uh, and uncertainty and fear that comes with trusting the machine learning models and trusting the AI to ensure that things like critical signals won't go unnoticed or that we can trust the decisions that are being made in the system. And the other piece is just around the utility of the AI and ML that's taking place under the hood. One of the things that I think is really important for AI ops technology as a design principle is, is to be super transparent and kind of peel back the covers and make it extremely clear to users how and why correlations are being performed in the machine learning that takes place. And I think that's why, you know, there's a lot of debate among AI ops vendors around like rule-based engines and systems versus non-rule-based mechanisms for alert correlation. And my take on that is both are valuable that, you know, the that hybrid approaches can help facilitate some of that trust while also enabling things like faster time to value and higher quality of issue correlations that it's important for, you know, on-call engineers to be able to tune the system with their own logic, their own human logic. So, you know, they can go in and tell the system optionally, what data do you want us to compare? How do you want us to correlate that data? What time period should we consider for correlating two distinct events that come in? What's the minimum number of alerts we should correlate really to make it more transparent and clear how the process is working and build confidence? But that needs to be augmented through things like pre-trained ML models and global decisions based on either industry data or kind of you know continually self-learning from your data so the system can get smarter and actually automatically suggest correlations and make decisions that enable you to scale an AI ops practice within your organization. Do, do people trust the rules enough to blindly follow the orders? That's the key. Looks like they trust AI more than the rules-based engine now. Yeah, I think that's where the feedback that I've heard from a lot of our customers that I've talked to is that hybrid approach you know, ends up striking the balance between facilitating trust and enabling kind of faster time to value. Because I think the other piece is part of the reason why, you know, if you look at Gartner data, Somewhere around only 10% of enterprise organizations utilize AI ops in their production environments today is because historically, a lot of these tools have been pretty difficult to get up and running with. They've re, you know, required a pretty steep onboarding and implementation and uh, process, as well as oftentimes weeks or months for the system to sort of study and learn from your data in order to train the ML models. And so I think Part of the balance to strike is how do you give on-call engineers the right level of control uh, to be able to inform the correlation logic with their own human decisions? How do you balance that with pre-trained ML models that you know enable on-call engineers to start you know leveraging the benefits of, of alert noise reduction without requiring weeks or months for the system to sort of train up based on your data? The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest. And I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill? 
Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. So monitoring used to be the norm, whether it's uh, for the application workloads, APMs, or for the network, NPMDs, or for the infrastructure, or even for the DEMS or the digital experience monitoring, right? Now, majority of the digital powerhouses that I see are moving from just from monitoring into the, the newer way of doing things. The observability has gained a lot of traction. In other words, moving from a reactive digital enterprise to a proactive digital enterprise. How do you think AI apps can help with that transition? What we've seen is the way software gets delivered and operated has fundamentally changed over the course of the past few years, particularly as teams are moving to continuous delivery where software changes are just happening and coming at you faster and and more often than ever before. And as we're seeing teams increasingly refactoring monolithic applications into cloud-native architectures where they're typically leveraging containers that are running in orchestration systems like Kubernetes, you know, it used to be good enough to be able to just monitor a fixed set of known knowns. And that is just not reality anymore for teams with modern ephemeral environments where the lifetime of a container may be measured in you know, minutes or less. And I also think that as the lines between infrastructure and applications continue to blur, that it's more important than ever to really be able to see, sort of see across your entire software system and get traceability across your entire estate and through your entire stack. So you can quickly see dependencies as well as troubleshoot and solve problems faster. So really what, you know, speaking of buzzword bingo, you know, observability has really become, you know, a term that's taken foothold over the course of the past few years. And it, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. When I think about observability and as our customers have you know, shared with us how they think about it, the most common way I hear it referred to is how well do you understand the behavior of your complex digital system? And observability really requires proactively collecting, visualizing, and then applying intelligence to all of your metrics and events and logs and trace data in one place and getting that unified view so you can, again, get traceability across your entire stack. And one of the quotes that I've seen out there that I think really resonates for me is that if traditional monitoring tells you when something is wrong, observability lets you interrogate your system and ask why. So I really see AI ops as being a core requirement for observability because it's really the set of technology that applies intelligence to your telemetry data and your incident data in order to be able to potentially predict problems before they happen, proactively detect anomalous behavior, correlate events to reduce noise, and then provide diagnostics to help on-call engineers you know, fix problems faster. Absolutely, absolutely. You speak my mind. But what does the future hold for the AI ops, though? Where do you see this uh, space in the long term? I have sort of a few, a few predictions for where I think the AI ops technology space will continue to evolve longer term. One of the areas of opportunity, I think, for AI ops technology is really around more elegant risk analysis. And that's the idea that like, hey, I can fix this particular problem, but how do I have near certainty that fixing this one problem won't break anything else? And so the concept of you know more elegant dependency mapping and being able to assess risk as part of a remediation process, for example, or even as part of a build deploy cycle for software, I think is one area where, we'll, where, where we will continue to see more focus from, from vendors and more adoption among you know, end users. 
Another prediction I have is just around continuing to see more data agnostic AI ops technology emerge. And we've talked a lot about this, but it's this idea that AI ops can really snap in on top of a monitoring practice or as part of an observability practice and enable you to you know, ingest data from multiple sources, whether that's redundant monitoring tools, whether that's incident management tools, or any technology in your toolkit that's emitting alert data, for example, normalize that data, identify relationships across them and start to group and correlate, you know, alerts and, and incident data that are due to the same core issue in order to be able to reduce noise and facilitate faster resolution. And so I think this idea of a lot more interoperability among technology in this space to become more data agnostic is a trend that I think we'll continue to see. And then another area longer term, when I talk to people about AI ops, a lot of times the topic of automatic remediation or this idea of AI ops providing sort of like self-healing capabilities ends up coming up. And Let's be honest, like most AI ops technology out there today isn't doing that yet. The focus has primarily been on detecting anomalies to be able to predict and prevent issues before they happen, on, you know, correlating events and alerts to reduce noise, and on enriching incidents and alerts with metadata and context to be able to diagnose and get to root cause faster. But historically, AI ops technology, I think, has really stopped short of Okay, so if we've identified the problem and we've given you, you know, diagnostics to be able to figure out what to do about the problem faster and get closer to root cause, let's go fix it without requiring any human intervention. I don't think the space is quite there yet. And uh, I think longer term, what we'll see is that AI ops technology will start to sort of expand its scope to include things like automatic remediation, whether that's through providing runbooks and scripts that are tailored to a specific problem that provide remediation capabilities, or if that means providing tighter coupling with automation technology that's already out there. If I know that an incident that I've experienced is the result of a configuration change on a host running in my data center, being able to trigger an Ansible playbook or a Puppet Run, for example, or a Chef script or loop in kind of Terraform or Pulumi to be able to go and, and fix that particular problem. Those are the types of tighter coupling between AI ops and automation that I, I think longer term will start to see uh, converge. Oh boy, so many things in that answer I want to double click. The self-healing capabilities, dependency mapping, tighter automation <laughs> coupling, all of the above, man. But uh, we are almost out of time, unfortunately. Would you, would you come in again some other time and talk to us? Let's do this again, Andy. This has been fun. And, and yeah, would, would love to, to kind of dig in and talk more about where we see the space headed long term. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael, for the great conversation. Love to have you again. For sure. It's been fun. Thanks very much. So you heard from Michael. Do you agree, disagree, or if you have an opinion, let me know. Let's discuss this further. Also, if you'd like to be part of our podcast, let me know as well. Until next episode, so long and stay safe.